0: Good evening, Grinnellians, far and wide. This is Anne Harris, the president of Grinnell College, uh, the one honored to serve as president of Grinnell College, welcoming you to another fantastic hour of Once and Future Grinnell. A radio show dedicated to strategic planning at this marvelous college and an exploration really of the concepts of higher education through the lens of the Grinnell experience. So um, as I mentioned, we have the, the next hour together. I'm really looking forward to spending time with you. Um, also, to uh, if you cannot join us or if you're joining us now, but you're thinking about others who can't be here, uh, all of these broadcasts are made, being made into podcasts, which will be part of the All Things Grinnell podcast, the official podcast of our wonderful institution. So the format of our show is for us to spend this time together um, really exploring ideas of strategic principles that go into the future thinking Of strategic planning at Grinnell College, a small liberal arts college um, in the state of Iowa. The format will be really for the first about 10-15 minutes or so, um, I'll be doing an introduction of the idea of strategic planning, of some of these strategic principles, um, of the title itself, you may wonder why the show is called Once and Future Grinnell, Um, and really of what we're seeking to do, not just in this hour, but really over the next three to five to 10 years. And strategic plans are great because they think along many futures, um, some that are very immediate, uh, and others that go further out. So we'll spend about 15 minutes with an introduction and then a s- wonderful, solid half hour, maybe a little bit more, um, actually, uh, talking to uh, guests who come onto the show. And uh, these guests are colleagues and friends and, and um, hold all sorts of different positions at the college. Throughout the next 10 weeks, as we explore these five strategic principles, we'll be speaking with um, faculty members, with administrators staff members um, students and alumni if all the scheduling works out the way that we want it to so um, the one thing I'm looking for at this point we've got our structure we've got our format we've got our technology Uh, the one thing I'm looking for is theme songs I would love to know if there are any strategic planning theme songs that are out there, Uh, and if you know of any, please send them in. I'm saying this to you, you can't see this because it's radio, um, with a bit of a smile, um, in that I understand very well that um, theme songs for strategic planning may not be the first things that come to your mind. Uh, But they would be out there for us, and I would love to introduce the show with a bit of music. So, um, this show is really designed for outreach to um, students to alums, to trustees, and to friends of the college. In other words, all those constituents of the college who are not on the faculty and staff, for whom I am able, because we're here on campus, because we're close together, um, to to have um, town halls and and other kinds of conversations. So this is my way of making sure that we're reaching parents, students, alums, trustees, and again, friends of the college, that wonderful, large, generous category with some of the ideas that we're thinking about at the college. Um, What will happen after this long, wonderful period of conceptual exploration is that we will move into initiatives and projects and things like that in the fall at that point. Um, We will also be working to connect with all of our constituents at the college. I will have a lot more to say um, about that, about our process as we continue. So to um, to move on then with this introduction. Of the show. I did want to spend a little bit of time with you all on the title, on this title, um, The once, once and Future Grinnell. I could have called it the strategic planning hour, um, but as I think about it, I, again, I just don't see the, the, the drive um, to an audience with that kind of title. So instead it's been titled Once and Future Grinnell. That's based on a, a book actually uh, called The Once and Future King, written by T.E. White in the 50s, about Um, the the education of the young boy who would go on to become King Arthur Um, and it's not just any education it's an education uh, with the wizard Merlin and it speaks to me in that in several ways it speaks to me because it is about education because it is about coming into knowledge and knowledge being a way to come into self um, the, the young boy uh, doesn't know that he's the king this is one of the wonderful things about the mythology of King Arthur, there are lots of things to talk about there um, but he is actually just a, a, a very very impoverished and, and marginalized um, figure and through his education comes to know his own possibilities until this incredible day when he pulls a sword out of a stone this is again the mythology a sword that no one else could pry from the stone except for him um, And when he pulls the sword out of the stone, then he is recognized as this king. So for me, of course, the story is fascinating. But the takeaway, right, is the connection between education, knowledge and identity. And that is right at the heart of why Grinnell College exists. Um, why it is dedicated to an undergraduate education um, to to individuals um, who come here for a four-year course of study and who are seeking to find their passions, to move their ideas into actions, um, and to and to be in the world, to change the world, to contribute to the common good. And that, of course, is in our mission statement. Um, there is an extra bonus, which is that Merlin, as the teacher, does allow me to champion our faculty as the incredible wizards that they are um, and the, the magic, really, that they, um, they bring into, the, into their work and into their classrooms. So uh, the, and we're all teachers, really, um, at Grinnell. There's a lot of education uh, we learn from our students as well uh, that goes on. So that title is important to me in terms of um, Once and Future King, meaning the Once and Future Grinnell, um, the idea of education and identity. I also want to play for just a few seconds on this idea of Once and Future. What's fascinating about strategic planning is that you are planning for a future that isn't yet fully clear. You're planning for a future that you don't necessarily see. You're planning for a future that you may never experience. So I'm going to say something that's going to sound a little strange maybe, because strategic planning is usually highly associated with, um, you know, uh, very, um, oh my goodness. Uh, lots of, um, of serious discourse, lots of non-metaphorical, that's what I want to say, really. Non-metaphorical discourse, um, it's a lot of charts and graphs and and projections. But I want to tell you that strategic planning, the way that I see it, the way that I watch our community engage with it, comes from a place of love, strong love for the institution, meaning care for what this institution will be After we're no longer here, but wanting to pass it on in a strong and generative way to the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. So strategic planning tries to think, as I said, three to five to 10 to 15 to 20 years out into the future, not to say this is what's going to happen but to say here's how we're gonna be prepared no matter what happens. Here are the values that we're gonna to stick to um, that are gonna strengthen us and embolden us as we go into this unknown future. Here are the principles that will carry us through. Um, here are the relationships that we can look to when we continue to exist in an ever-changing world. And of course I say this to you from as we all are, a position on the threshold between um, being in the heart of a pandemic and starting to emerge from a pandemic. So the idea that strategic planning comes from a place of love, another way to say that is that it comes from a place of stewardship. It comes from a place of, again, care about a future that we may not ourselves experience, but that we care about a great deal for our future generations. So that I find very very important um, in thinking about what it is that we're trying to do over these next um, several uh, weeks as we talk about these different strategic principles. So what we're doing specifically um, at Grinnell is really fascinating in terms of our approach to strategic planning. As I said we're staying right now in this conceptual stage. Um, We're gonna spend a lot of time Thinking through the five strategic principles together before we even start doing something about them. Believe me, we are very busy with projects and ideas and all the fervor of the college, um, even now. Strategic thinking are the longer-term projects and ideas, the longer-term initiatives that may uh, that that seek to both again create change and be adaptable to change. So. I'm actually seeing this as one of the strange gifts of the pandemic. I don't think I'd be doing a radio show um, if we weren't in a virtual state. But this time that we have this spring to really explore the concepts of strategic planning, I think will serve us well in the fall. And the trajectory I see is this, that we start with shared information, which is really what these sessions are all about. Let's try to define some of these terms. Let's try to understand what we mean when we say belonging or governance or all these things we're gonna talk about today. We start with shared information that builds to shared understanding. And that shared understanding then can move forward into shared ambition. And that of course is the strength of an institution into its own future. And the strategic planning process needs to be renewed and reviewed every five to ten years. It's a very healthy thing to do. I will say I think there's more of it um, in the modern period of higher education than there was in the beginning of higher education in the United States in the late 17th, early 18th, certainly 19th century when things took off. Um, It's good. It's a chance, you know, I think of it as a seminar. It's a chance for us to study ourselves, to understand ourselves better, um, and then to move forward. So I want to give you one technical term from the world of strategic planning, and that is the particular model of strategic planning that we've chosen at the college, and that is a model of collective impact. Collective impact is a model of strategic planning that comes out of the nonprofit world, and that's because nonprofits partner with many other organizations. Nonprofit organizations may be the lead on a project. They may be the lead on social change. Um, They may be the the heart of the organization, but they are always connected with either community members or granting organizations or with legislatures. Um, They're always working in partnerships. And that is a very important way for us to think about strategic planning at the institution. Collective impact takes the energies of multiple organizations and gears them towards one direction. Now you may say, well, that's odd because Grinnell College is one organization. It's not multiple organizations. I think the lived experience of a college actually is multi-organizational. We have many distinct experiences here. We have students at the heart of all things. We have faculty and staff as this marvelous, I would say, framework and and partnership um, for the experiences. And then, of course, parents, alumni, community members. We have an ever-expanding series of constituents of the institution. Even within faculty and staff, we have different departments, different divisions with different labor, different purpose. And so this idea of collective impact is gonna have us thinking about each other from our own experiences into that collective whole. And this is what I love about it. It doesn't mean we're all doing the same thing. That's key. It does mean that we all have that shared understanding and that shared ambition for the college when it comes to community, when it comes to, um, again, some of the issues that go into community, for example. This puts us in a situation that I think is one of the absolute gifts of modern higher education, and it really pertains to what we're talking about today. And the gift is this. It's a simultaneity of being both a constituent of the institution as well as a caretaker of the institution. So a constituent, meaning a recipient of the benefits of the institution, um, of someone who experiences the institution, someone who is in relationship with an institution as, as as a participant, as a constituent, but also a caretaker of the institution, someone who's gonna shape its future, someone who very much shapes its present in every minute of that lived experience, someone who, who looks out for or cares for the institution, whether it's through stewardship, um, through, uh, through actions, through accomplishments. And I love that duality. I, I, I really think it's not, it's probably not unique. In fact, I would argue that the same goes for democracy. Right? We are constituents of a democracy, but we are also caretakers of a democracy. When we vote, I think that's probably the most intense moment of simultaneity. Um, uh, When we vote, we are both constituents and caretakers. Voting is caring uh, for a democracy and why it is so incredibly important. So I hope you've got some of these ideas in your mind now um, of strategic planning as, as thinking into the future that we may not experience together from our position, from our experience in the present, that at Grinnell College we're utilizing a collective impact approach which brings everyone's experiences and purpose and expertise into a shared endeavor through partnerships, and that we are all constituents and caretakers simultaneously of the institution. So tonight we're going to be discussing community and I might My two guests are here. I'm so thrilled to welcome them to our time together. Um, Tonight is dedicated to community. The other four strategic principles are educational excellence and continuity, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and health and well-being, and financial sustainability. And so we'll be looking at those in the coming weeks. But for tonight, I am greatly pleased um, to welcome Joe Bagnoli, the VP of Enrollment at Grinnell College, and uh, Fernando Filadora who, who is the president of the Student Government Association and Fernando, I don't know your majors, and I really should. And I would love it if you could take just a couple minutes to introduce yourself. Um, and then I'll turn to Joe uh, to do the same, and then we'll start our interview.
1: Yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, hi, my name is Fernando. Um, right now, I'm currently an independent major, actually. Ah. It, yeah, no, um, it's very much focused. It's titled Health Narratives, but it encompasses studio art english and bio so it's kind of just um really revolved around like how to tell stories and like using trauma and kind of those sorts so it's really interesting and like really excited for the work
0: oh i'm so excited for your work that's incredible and this is and and, you know dear listener you should know these are not rehearsed um at all so for me to discover in real time uh fernando what you're doing uh with your with your education here is just incredible that's fantastic and i i must say your contribution um in the midst and in the in the aftermath of the pandemic will be really, really valuable. So th- thank you for what you're doing. That's that's just amazing. And congratulations on being, um, uh, on, on serving, on being elected as the president of the Student Government Association at Grinnell. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, great. So Joe, I turn to you for your brief introduction. I hope I got your title right. I, I very much do. Um, and I'll turn things over to you.
2: Sure. Um- Glad to join you. Thanks for the invitation and hello, Fernando, as well as all listeners. Um, I'm Joe Bagnoli. I serve as the vice president for enrollment and dean of admission and financial aid at Grinnell. I've been here a little over nine years. I made the famous choice of following my daughter to Grinnell after she Chose to enroll here back in 2012. I did what every college student dreams their parent will do and followed her here. <laughs> so I'm glad to be here and glad to be part of the program.
0: Oh, that's so wonderful. And, it, and it's very meaningful to me to have you both here as we talk about community in some depth, because of course, Joe, you create community, you and your team um, create community every single year Uh, as as you know of course we have thousands and thousands of applications to Grinnell College and then around 435 to 450 students um, come every fall and so this is important to underscore we are a community that is in perpetual renewal We renew ourselves as a community every single year. And I love to think of the energy that that takes, um, and frankly, the work that that takes as well. So Joe, um, in in you and your team creating community, and then of course, faculty, staff, and students, in some ways I would say, creating and being community at the same time. um, That's a a really powerful way to think about who we are and and what we do. So I wanted to start, I I had done some writing um, about community and I had broken it up into kind of five sub themes and I wanted to work through those with you all. Um, And Joe, I wanted to start with you in terms of this concept of a community of inquiry. So there are many ways to be a community. There are many ways to come together um, as a community in higher education, we come together to ask questions. We come together to be a community of inquiry. And there are many, many ways to do that um, in terms of how we think about our identities in that work, how we think about our resources for that work, um, and how we think about the, the conditions of learning together. So some of the questions And I think it's very important to keep asking questions, right, to, um, and we've got this wonderful thing about how we question easy answers and ask hard questions. And I love that about the college. But I think it's really important to ask questions of ourselves. And so, Joe, I wanted to start with you and ask ask you these questions um, pulled from this essay. I would invite your thinking on areas in which you believe we do not yet have a shared understanding within our community. And what kind of research and action would create that shared understanding? What would you wanna build shared understanding about in our community? Um, and and where in, in our living and, and working experience at Grinnell, you've witnessed or you've created the most effective transfer of knowledge, that that shared community. So this is really an invitation to connect knowledge and community, uh, a community of inquiry together from your experience of the college.
2: You know, and part of what I love about Grinnell is that we are a community of idealists.
1: Mm. Yes,
2: we are all at once constituents and caretakers, which by the way, I think could be the title of a strategic plan.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm taking notes.
2: (laughs) But I, I think that uh, in our I, idealism, we often ask ourselves how we can do better without necessarily understanding ourselves within a national context or even within the context of our own history. Um, I, I think we could uh, afford to have a, a clearer understanding of where we fit as an institution of higher learning among the many peers that we often look to as we compare how effectively we have pursued our mission, especially with respect to the composition of our student population, Uh, a topic that I think about quite often. And as you point out, that we recreate every year in the admission process. My suspicion is that if one were to be a fly on the wall and to listen to conversations that we have at Grinnell, from time to time, people would conclude that somehow we lag behind where we might have uh, been at one time or that we lag behind mm-hmm. our peers on important uh, matters uh, related directly to our mission, uh, matters of of pursuing excellence in all its forms, academically, first of all, but in all of its forms, as well as to be a, a community comprised of a diverse population that expresses a commitment to social responsibility. And um, we can always aspire to be better than we are. And it's part of what I love about Grinnell that we we always want to be better tomorrow than we find ourselves today. Hmm. But I think there are some pretty impressive ways in which we come together as a community committed to those three fundamental institutional values that aren't necessarily widely understood or shared.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: I'd be happy to talk more about that, but I think that's one area in particular, where, where we could come to a a, comment, a more common understanding,
0: and I and I would like to delve a little bit deeper into that because I think you know what does it mean to be a Grenellian is one of those questions that that follows me in my in my thinking uh, because we use the word Grenellian you know you're a member of this community you're a Grenellian what does that mean and so I I do think I I love how you're portraying the community as ever changing over history. Right, but not necessarily known. And so I I would love I would love for you to share just some, again, information about how you see our community in terms of its diversity, in terms of its um, even the, the social responsibility of diversity is maybe one way that I would think about it, because there's a wonderful term that came out of a book on the post pandemic liberal arts college, productive restlessness. And I kind of think of us that way, you know, like we're actually not looking to be like, well, look, everything is neat and orderly and needs to stay the same. We reinvent the community every year. So what is an aspect, what is like a, a fact or a figure or a piece of information about our community that you would want people to just to know about themselves?
2: Sure. Well. Among the, the things I would want people to know is that we are now when the class uh, that arrives in the fall that we've recently admitted, uh, we, we are now an institution comprised of students, 50% or more of whom would not self identify as white domestic students. So we are now no longer majority of our students um, in in that majority category across most institutions of higher education in the U.S. Wow. And in addition to that, that's very different than the institution that we were mm. just say 25, 30 years ago when we were 25 percent international and domestic students of color, whereas today. Um, far more of our students would be underrepresented in higher education elsewhere. Um, And I don't think that's uh, commonly understood. We are among the most diverse of the top tier national liberal arts colleges, especially if you consider diversity to include students coming to us from other countries, Mm -hmm. students who are underrepresented in higher education or who just self-identify as non-white
0: that and i and i like that you said even 25 to 30 years ago that's that's a generation right so within one generation we have the the college as um, a different identity in and of itself as a college i think that's very very powerful for us to to just know because you know i'd like to take the time in some of this strategic planning to say well how do we how do we get there how did we do that because i do think and i so much I, I really believe this firmly that Grinnell College is, can be, should always strive to be the image of the democracy to come, right? The image of the world to come. And we know now um, that in the United States, right, and we've we've talked about this in some of our meetings, that in the United States, kindergartners across the, 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 the country at this point are just beginning to be uh, minority white students. So um, American demographics are changing and Grinnell as not just a reflection of that, not just an embodiment of that um, change and productive restlessness, if I can call it that, of of American democracy, uh, embodying that and and embracing that and and working towards that. I've shared this phrase with you and I really uh, see it in what you've just shared with us and I I appreciate that um, so much, learning that. Um, which is that Grinnell College is a global college in a multicultural, multiracial democracy. And embracing that part of our identity, I think is is really important. So um, let us continue to ask questions about our, oh my gosh, we're almost at the half hour mark. See, this goes really fast. Um, I wanna continue to ask questions about about ourselves and Joe, my sense is that we'll keep reconnecting. I'm gonna definitely come back and ask you some more questions when we get to education and democracy um, and how they're connected. Um, but Fernando, I wanted to turn to you for the um, kind of second and third and, and fourth, they're all kind of connected, deeply interconnected together, parts of you know what is it that makes a Grinnell community? So Joe's just given us this really powerful uh, generational narrative of the institution, now, 50% um, of, of students would not identify as white. Um, and so, so what? how do we understand that? How do we live that? And it's moving into living ourselves as a diverse community um, with this eye to the common good, with this eye to social responsibility, which means we're aware of ourselves into, into how, as to how we are to each other. So this brings up issues of belonging issues of collective decision-making and issues of governance. And Joe, I may well, I mean, constituents and caretakers both. um, I think that's where governance really gets us thinking about that. So, Fernando, I'd love to hear more. My questions to you would really be, we can start with belonging and then move into collective decision-making and governance. Again, these things are all related because I do believe you feel like you're a part of something if you're if you care for and care about something, and you feel like that something, that institution, cares about you, um, wants to be shaped by you. So my first question to you would be about belonging, um, and and where those spaces or actions of belonging at the college have been for you in your experience as a student, and you know. I also want to say, feel free to to critique and say, you know, this is where belonging is missing or lacking because that's the productive restlessness that we're talking about as well.
1: Yeah, I'll be yeah, really happy to answer it. Um, in my experience in Grinnell, I feel like a lot of those senses of belonging and like just community building and like in its essence has been brought on with like, in a like a variety of of like ways, like events, um, just just talking to people. Mm. Grinnell unique in the sense that it's a really it's a really small school in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, like in the middle of nowhere.
0: <laughs> or everywhere. Or everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Good. or everywhere. But with that being said, it it provides the space and like mm. yeah, honestly the time to like really form those connections and to really like be with your constituencies and like learn and like talk to a variety of people like when i first came here i found immediate community with um organizations like soul um like because of my identity and thing yeah tons of those sorts of um spaces um and from there it kind of grew in the in the sense that I became more familiar with, like, the environment. Like, I had those people um, when I came in to kind of nurture or kind of just not, I don't want to say nurture me, but, like, also, like, guide me or, like, help mm-hmm. me feel comfortable
0: mm-hmm.
1: with my, and everything that, like, yeah, basically giving me that guidance, that had, like, how to guide on how to survive Grinnell. And I really, really... Like appreciated it because, like, I honestly have felt a lot of like struggles, just being a student. Like, I know a lot of students have like a lot of like issues with, um, like, the availability of uh, of activity, like um, mm-hmm. not activities, but like access to things that are outside of Grinnell, that makes yeah, like things you would find in a city. Yeah. We hear a lot of that kind of um, mentality and kind of those like things, but at the same time, like, yeah, sorry, I, I guess I was getting into an, another idea, but in essence, yeah, circling back, it's very been much my constituencies, like having this close environment, being able to like really like form those connections and like learn through them and then also learn like with my own experiences just navigating the um like the institution
0: and fernando you saying that i think brings up such an important point which is why on earth would anybody put a college in the middle of everywhere or nowhere but everywhere right why would there be a college at the crossroads of the state of indiana and many other small liberal arts colleges i think your wonderful comment brings up the, the principle that really our colleges are these great experiments in community, right? The whole idea, you're exactly right, it was purposefully to be away from the city, purposefully to be where people could just be people to each other. And there's an intensity to that because we we kind of are all things to each other, right? We, we can't just go down the street and there's a Broadway show, um, although there's phenomenal dance and music and everything in, in uh, Buxbomb, but you, you know what I'm saying there, right? We produce all of that. So I, I really appreciate you bringing that point of, you know, connection um, because it's it's it's, it's just us out here. And I am referring to this incredible new book by um, Claudine Rankin when I when I use that title, Just Us. Um, and that's an intense place to be. So I, I really appreciate your comment um, there. Now, what about you mentioned your constituents, and I'm so happy to, to, to hear you use that term. What about the way that um, that that decisions are made? and this is really the hard part of, I think being, you know when a bunch of people get together sooner or later some kind of decision needs to be made and i have to say within the pandemic we've had to make so many decisions collective decisions i would i would love to hear um to hear you out a little bit here on on how how you have found yourself bringing your constituencies into decision making what kind of lessons you have found from the decision making around the pandemic Um, as again, this idea that if you put a bunch of people in a space together, sooner or later, decisions have to be made. How are those made? How does that feel?
1: Yeah, thank you for the question. Cause it's actually one that like we've been thinking about like as an organization in terms of like whose voices are at the table Mm. Um, and it kind of ties into um, one of the questions that you were uh, proposing in terms of what is one of the things that we've learned through the pandemic and it was the need to kind of rethink and like, yeah, redefine like some. Yeah, like, yeah, rethinking how we approach um, certain systems that have been in place prior to like us being here and like one perfect example is um, our Senate and. A lot of the the questions before um, before the pandemic were like whose voices are at are at the table because in our system our senate is supposed to be the space um, slash the body that um, gathers the information sort of like does the um, outreach portions um, gathering voices of uh, like student constituencies and then a student senate um, a lot of those we um those like issues would be presented to us as cabinet uh, but uh, yeah by us i mean our sga cabinet um and that could be from our um students but in terms of the decision making process itself it's set up that senators are the ones who vote on like legislation or on um, things that we want to propose to our constitution um and circling back to that whole need of Rethinking and redefining one issue that we've found in, especially in recent history, like just in recent like institutional history, has been that our senate space has been like failing in some, not failing, but it hasn't been as robust as it had in prior years. And one of the one of the major things that have been in focus has been constitutional reform to rethink how students engage with like these spaces, and then. Um, kind of yeah like doing those like nitty-gritty like rethink like thinking who or who's at the at the table is it how do we like to diversify slash how do we bring in like students um and another i this kind of also ties into um the institutional framework in the sense that another area that like our student like our constituencies have like um expressed has been kind of this lack of transparency as to what sga at times does and Mm. things of that nature and then from there we look at the we look at the the issues we look at what our team is experiencing and then when we take a closer look we do see that that is under the purview of our diversity and outreach coordinator but what's what ends up happening is that what's it called it what's ends up what what has ended up happening because this is this position has been a relatively new one since like 2014 I believe has been that um there's been just too much work placed on one because it's diversity and outreach work there's a lot of diversity work that has been done in the institution over the last couple several like several years meaning there's a lot of more like emphasis on the diversity portion than the outreach and this is all just to say that there are institutional issues. We are trying to like um, rethink it to again meet meet that like that intentionality as to what SGA is or like how we represent, such how we conduct our work. We're trying to use our pre-existing structures, but also, yeah, use it to where it works, but also. Having that mindset that things need to change, like the world's changing, we can't just have a cluster-based system, uh, not a cl- yeah cluster-based system, because that's yeah in terms of Senate representation. um But that's, yeah, those are kind of questions that are going in there. But yeah, I can tremendous. leave. I can,
0: that's really tremendous. I, I, I just, I mean, you talk about productive restlessness, right? Like your, and, and, and your cabinets and your senators' willingness to, to look closely at the structures that you have and to be intentional about them. I, I'm so excited for what's to come. Now, your comments have prompted a question that I want to ask to both of you. Um, and that is this. Why do you think that our student governance structures are so closely modeled on those of a democracy. And I ask that with a little bit of like forced naivete because you know, I could say well, why not have a corporate structure? Have a board uh, you know, and, and, and the, the, way you have a board of a, of a company or why not have a, a you know, I don't know, a, di- a completely direct democracy where everybody votes on everything. Um, and I, you know, I grew up in Switzerland and that's what, that's what that country does. Um, it has seven presidents by the way, Fernando. So that, that would be a fun thing, wouldn't it? So, so I ask this in all sincerity, what do you think, not the, why does it exist this way? But, um, Yeah, no, no, let me let me go ahead and ask Why? what do you think is the is the benefit or why do you think colleges like ours and here is Fernando in his leadership position saying, you know what, time to rethink our governance structure. Um, Why do you think we apply democratic governance structures to student government associations in higher education? Why not use a corporate one? What do you think is going on there? And really a speculative question. Joe, if you want to jump in, give, give Fernando a rest. That would be great.
2: Well, I, I suppose I would say in response that um, having a system of student governance, self-governance, shared with the, the college faculty and the college administration provides all of us with the opportunity mm. to reflect together on the impact of our collective work on the experience of, of students and and gives them, to use, to borrow an expression from Fernando here, gives them a voice in the conversation about what it is that our collective decision-making results in, in terms of their own experience. So you referenced earlier in our conversation here, the idea of student belonging. It, it seems to me that we don't get to decide for students whether or not they're experiencing their time at Grinnell is one in which they feel they belong as a place in which they feel they belong. Um, Without the voice of a student in the conversation, I think it's entirely possible that we would choose to invest our energies, our creativity, our institutional resources in ways that don't necessarily serve them well and consequently would not help us serve our mission well so uh, i I frankly value the perspective that students bring to the conversations that we have, because, in the end, it is the student experience that we are so focused on getting right, right. Um, so, so that's why I would say, yes, it's it's uh, appropriate for us to have the the kind of uh, shared governance that we do.
0: That is I, I, so first of all, I just wrote it down verbatim um this this democratic structure as one that allows us to. Reflect on collective impact. I have not thought of democracy that way, um, but certainly education, which is so, which prizes you know reflection and self-reflection so much, um, I had not thought of it that way. That that these structures allow us to reflect on our collective impact. That in other words, if we did have like more of a um, you know corporate structure. Um, that collective impact would be perceived very differently. Maybe there would still be reflection, but it doesn't have the same, you know, when you vote, that's a moment of reflection. Depending on how the vote goes, it can be a moment of, you know, real self-reflection and <laughs> an existential crisis of like, wow, that particular initiative went through or it did not go through. Um, I think of voting as a, as a moment of collective impact, of course. Um, so so Fernando, I would turn the question to you of, of what what do you see as that benefit or the why of a democratic student government structure and I really like how Joe has actually deepened the question that I put, which is how it intersects with other forms of governance at the college. Um, the the faculty, Governance, the shared endeavors between faculty and staff um, and then the trustees who, of course, have fiduciary uh, governance, which is this this high level. Um, and I love that the word fiduciary, by the way, comes from the Latin word for trust. Right. It's what they hold in trust. It's why we call them trustees um, of, of many reasons. But Fernando, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you think we have democratic structures in student government.
1: Yeah. Um... I guess thinking of that, and in conjunction with um, Joe said, I guess I'm just thinking of the essence of like self governance and great, the, very much the essence of self governance, in the sense that, at least in my view, its foundational principles are founded in the ideals of like student empowerment that, like and like a trust for students. And I just have to be frank. That's not. I don't. We're not in that situation anymore. Mm. And it inevitable, like shifting political landscapes and and things of those natures that are beyond kind of like our control. Yeah. But again, I feel like the institution was modeled in a way um, that reiterated the trust for students and and the want for. Um. yeah like for student empowerment and I'm mentioning this because one interesting thing that like I've heard throughout my time here has been like Grinnell students like when they get into the workforce when they do this like um, they're astonishing in like whatever or like they have like heightened levels of like not heightened levels but they're, very, they're good for the workforce basically like they have the critical thinking skills yeah. they have that those things and we see it with their testing program like students are cautious where like we collectively move in a way um we build kind of our systems of communication and things of, of those natures of that nature and i'm mentioning this because i have to like personally i have to be honest in the sense that we need to really discuss what shared governance would look because yes and in, in my experience like how I have been seeing how this shift has been happening within the institution and I've been seeing a lack of trust for students a lack of kind of um yeah kind of this like trust, kind of this environment this thinking of like like okay of collective impact but then Mm. when we look at impact we look at what like, I feel like we need to look at like what SGA does and it's student programming, things like that. Like, then we get into an advocacy. Then we get into the, into like the historical side where it's like, again, what is the of self-governance, yes. student empowerment and embedded in the trust for students. When we use this, like those are the founding principles in my mind, even though we have had a like, shift in like political landscapes, and things of like natures, I don't think that like disenfranchises the essence of it. I think there are ways for us to preserve what the essence, main principles of what it was, but also working collectively in a way that meets our like every governing body's yeah, every everybody's like needs or kind of um, respecting kind of the boundaries that have been placed because yes I meant history because there has been like historical things in terms of adversary like actions that have res- resorted in adversarial relationships and like kind of those those actions like mm. if this this is the best way to say it honestly when when actions are taken without okay Honest. like when actions okay sorry sorry
0: no not at um, all this is this is thinking together this is great
1: yeah yeah sorry I'm, i just got kind of like uh okay kind of just circling back putting it back into the um center self go yeah basically okay the big the big essence is that i believe that those are founded um the trust in students and willingness um kind of yeah those two main, uh, principles that i talked about
2: mm-hmm.
1: i think we preserve like those essence but again work through how to meet the needs of each body at the college if that makes sense so like if faculty have a certain like like need have desired, like have that conversation but don't like do it in an um imposed like in a way that it seems like it's being imposed upon yes another like because that's when we get into adversarial relation and then kind of those negative effects but yeah you you can chime off of all all of that sorry no there's
0: so much there in what you've said so so very much and i mean as you and i were preparing for this you um shared, generously shared with me a a a MAP, that's a mentored advanced project uh, research that had been conducted in 2014, I think was published in the Grinnell magazine a couple of years later, and I'm forgetting the author's name. I'm embarrassed that I've forgotten the author's name. We, we can try to get Leda, I think, Leda Hoffman, if that's possible. If you're out there, um, we're thinking about your thesis um, uh, that really talked about that shift in uh, critical governance that happened in the 1960s. And I'm, I'm so appreciative, Fernando, that, that your wonderful answer worked all the way from the outside of like political changes and changes in federal law and you know things like that to the inside where sometimes there are conflicts and and I thank you for acknowledging that I think how we manage um, those adversarial moments how we manage our conflict is an enormous part of our community in my strategic planning I have put it under health and well-being because how we manage conflict really connects with health and well-being conflict is there conflict is going to be there when people care about things and so i love how how you are connecting governance with how governance structures meet the needs of all the different constituents i so i want to add to our bibliography here first of all i think we should we should be reading this uh map research project again it's in the grinnell uh magazine i'll try to connect to it a really important um, moment in the 1960s when, when things were shifting from in loco parentis, where the college is supposed to be the parent and that has a moral element, to now, you know, the, now many years later when we do have federal laws that shape things, employment laws, Title IX, um, all sorts of different things. We have, we have state um, and, and local laws as well. So the pandemic, believe me, has really driven that point home. So those are pressures on a governance system those are pressures on a community and i hear you talk about a time when self-governance was a place of trust um and that shared responsibility and i don't know that that i'll be interested to know it you know is that time possible in light of contemporary factors contemporary laws things like that i think that that's a and you know what i'm i'm here we go i'm going to totally be asking you to be on some kind of task force or committee. You can guarantee that. But I think there's another really good piece out there. It's the Residential Learning Task Force report from 2018. So we are clearly all trying to build into what this means, what this shared um, or or self-governance means. I also love that it's called self-gov, that there's a kind of abbreviation for it. So you've given a a really rich um, rich. you haven't defined it i don't think that's necessarily the point at this point um but you've certainly given a a rich what's at stake what's at stake in that conversation it is defined right we do have a definition of self-governance um interestingly on our website it's under the conduct process um for students and i think the idea is that students govern themselves um And that 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 it's interesting, we may need to explore why it's under the conduct process in the first place. Um, But I, I do love, you know, self governance is not marked by license, but by the responsible use of freedom, we haven't even talked about freedom. So that's in there. That's in our text. And I think, you know, if you're a student at Grinnell, you're going to be thinking about how and why you are in community. And I love your point about Grinnellians in the workforce or in society at large being people who are, you said, good for you know that world. Um, and I, I have to think it's something about the fact that we are very conscious and some days self-conscious even. Um, in other words, like there's, there's adversarial issues, there are things that are at stake, um, it gets difficult. I think it's a very, worthy difficulty um, to be thinking about self-governance. And and I'm really um, honored to be at the college to to be thinking about those things. Um, So it all goes back, I think you and I shared this, right? It all goes back to President George Gates, after whom Gates Tower is named, Joe, is that, do you know? Yeah, okay. So after George Gates, who he served the college right up until 1900 and said it is 10,000 times better that young people should learn to govern themselves than that they should be governed in any best way whatsoever. So, you know, Legal liability has thrown a wrench in that. Um, Different ways that we understand in loco parentis has shifted that. But what a great thing that we have this statement that was made. Joe, please go for it.
2: You know, I appreciate you raising that quote. And uh, and the words that I find myself drawn to there are in the middle of the quote. It is ten thousand times better that young people should learn to should learn to. How is it that young people learn to self-govern? I, You know, Fernando has pointed the way to particular constraints that are beyond the campus. There are likely to be constraints that are present within the, the campus and, and its culture. I, I do wonder, um, it's rhetorical in some ways, but maybe Fernando has a response to it. How is it that students will learn to govern themselves within the Grinnell context?
1: Thank you so much for the question. Um, so in that respect, we have, at least as an institution, like as the Student Government Association, we have like training systems in place. So when um, turnovers happen, we have the, um, the resources like documents and we have like the added um, that, yeah, like the in-person experience type of deal. Um, with the pandemic, unfortunately, that was very, very hard to conduct because in the middle of it, we were kind of sent back. But I'm speaking from like past cabinets, that's kind of been the, that's been the system in which um, has withstood like 100 years on it since, um, yeah, SGA's conception and like the early, well, what was it, it? like 1900s? And then, that is that's more for the actual like process kind of driven um, portion of it. But then as well as that, we also have like connections to people within SGA who have been working in like those similar areas like for I know a lot of um, people in our in our cabinet still have like contact with like other past SGA um, cabinet officers having that like sense of community and like making, basically trying to serve the, our institution, like the institution of the student government, has kind of been what has like driven us thus far. Um, is there a need? Do we need to redefine how we do training? Maybe, like honestly, that, that could be a question, but we we have had those systems in place if you if there is a need to change it we can have that conversation
0: i just i love it because first of all the question is great it brings up to me a question i don't know the answer to which is um which are my favorite questions uh which is when was the first student government association at grinnell college was that from the word go or was there was there a very first student government association in you know, like, like you said, 1900, 1910, 1920. I do know, I believe the first woman uh, SGA president was in the 1950s. I think I know that. Uh, But the second one was not until 1972. So or the 1970s. So that there's something really interesting to study there. But in your response, um, and by the way, this is the dream for any interviewer is when the interviewees ask questions of each other. So you are fabulous and I thank you both um, but in your response Fernando you know you said you said a sense of community and I do think we learn how to govern ourselves from the community we create and are a part of at the same time so students learning from each other and then in connection of course with faculty with staff, And then ultimately in connection with federal laws state laws or you know all those other factors that are that are shaping us um that are putting us in this productive restlessness when it comes to governance so i am i am incredibly grateful to you both for these responses unbelievably we have a minute and a half left and so i will be closing out our show i could talk to you both for a very very long time i think in my question to you about um why we have democratic structures for student government association we touched upon education and democracy you've both made me um treasure all the more the great experiment that is grinnell college in terms of how we create community how we are aware of how we create community how to to fernando's points we are aware of when community isn't created and we need to, to work harder in different ways, maybe different structures, maybe new partners, maybe new understandings of partnership. Um, so I, I really value that. And I do think that when Grenellians go out into the world, they know how to create community. That's not a line on the CV or on the resume, but that is a a lived experience. And I think that's part of the effectiveness and really the power um, of Grinnellians is that they can walk into a room and say, ooh, these are the partnerships that are gonna move that issue. Um, Or these are the structures that would actually really accomplish that common good. That is a hard skill, believe me. And Fernando, you know that better than anyone right now, uh, in that you are trying to to really think about and be intentional about your representative and your governing structure um, and the ways that it creates community, that it perpetuates community. So it has been my honor to be with you, Joe and Fernando, to discuss community at Grinnell College. And dear listeners, we bid you a good night and we will see you next week on Once and Future Grinnell. Be well, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye
1: for